Hello, welcome to the Lone Show. I'm your host, John Malone, and in this episode, I've brought on Stacey and eventually Risk Eleven. As for our guest, he's from Melbourne, Australia. He's a career transformation coach, and uh, and so much more. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Tony Petanelli. Thank you, thank you, Peter. You're welcome. So, how's life? Well, it's fair to say, particularly in the career domain, it's fairly challenging at the moment. So I think one of the phenomenons we are seeing is um, the great resignation or the mass resignation based on where you are in the world at the moment. So we're seeing a lot of people exit their jobs. Great. And uh, have you been up too much recently? I coach people who are looking to make that move, um, whereby... One of the other phenomenons that's coming off the Great Resignation is um, what's being called now the Great Regret, where people are leaving their existing jobs and going to something else and finding that the challenges that they left are they're confronting in their new roles. Great. And uh, what, what got you into coaching? Uh, well, coaching in terms of the career was a couple of events that happened during the course of my working life. One, in the early stages, I went through deep career dissatisfaction. I found that the work I was doing as an accountant wasn't to my liking or suiting. So um, I needed to make some changes. And I found that there wasn't too many people I could actually speak to about it. So there was one clear sign that there was a bit of a gap in the market. And then a number of years later, I remember being called into my manager's office one morning and being asked if I'd consider taking a payout, which came as a bit of a shock to me, to be honest, because I only had just recently completed a major project initiative for the company and thought that my career was actually riding high only to be, um, you know, being offered a redundancy situation. And like I had encountered, it came as a total shock and I was totally unprepared. And many people, uh, other work colleagues, encountered the same situation. The moment arrived and they had no plan B. They had nothing else to go to. So that, be, that was the cue I needed to see, okay, there's a problem emerging in the employment space and it needs a resolution because what was happening also was there was a lot of employment or career advisors in the marketplace, but they were helping you to, um, with interview skills and updating your resume or connecting with your network, but they weren't preventing the hit happening in the first place and the devastation. I saw a lot of people encountering mental and emotional fallout because of that, that event of losing their jobs. Okay. That's... That, that in itself is very, very inspirational. I love that. <laughs> so, uh, what else do you do besides coaching? Well, I've recently come off um, writing a book around that theme. So, that's writing a book has been an interesting exercise in itself. It really does. Uh, challenge and test your discipline in terms of sitting down each day and devoting a set amount of time um, 
to putting words down on a page or typing them into a computer. So that's been another sort of interest of mine. Um, and getting my word out, the message out into the marketplace. And that has also been around, Peter, associated with differentiating yourself in the marketplace. Um, if you've got a book, it adds to your credibility and authority. Okay, great. And so if your life was a meal, what would it be? If it was a meal, it would probably be a, a pizza. <laughs> so you'd have a strong base with a range of toppings. Ooh, okay. Pansy. Anything else? I think that'd be the main one. Okay. If, if you could be a Subway sub, what would you be <laughs> and why? A Subway sub and why? I would go the ham with some vegetables. So, and why? I think we need a level of meat which gives us strength and backbone and then your vegetables becomes the elements around it to top it off. So I think everyone needs a core focus and then there's some elements around that for variety. Yeah, I love that. Uh, what, which pizza topping do you most relate to? It would be the cheese, which acts as the glue, if you like, that holds everything else together. Okay, great. And um, have you have you been anywhere? Well, of recent times, because of the um, lockdowns and the pandemic, I would say no. But um, I did travel before then. I did travel to New Zealand, which is only a few hours away from Australia. And uh, I do like being out in nature and walks in mountains and uh, by rivers and lakes. So I um, that's another interest for me when the world allows, obviously. Okay, great. What's your favorite season? I would say it's spring. The reason being is the milder temperatures and when gardens are, there, are at their full bloom and color. Oh, that's a very good choice. Do you love a bit of spring with all the flowers blooming and the trees are growing and all that other stuff? Yes, I don't typically enjoy, Peter, the extremes of summer, both excessive heat or the, the freeze of the winter months. So moderation is a key focus for me, somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So how, how, what was your family like? I, well, my, both my parents passed, they came out from Italy in the 1950s and um, they settled, so they settled here in Australia, which they believed was the land of great opportunity. And um, so they gave birth to myself and uh, a younger brother. So I live my, with my younger brother because he's intellectually disabled and can't fully sort of manage himself. So that's the family dynamic I find myself in. Okay. Do you have any other questions you want to ask, Tony? So, your brother, 
he seems to be very important in your life. Kind of like how my sister is very important in my life. Um, if you could describe you two, if you could describe your relationship with your brother, how would you describe it as? Well, we're very close, obviously, given we're the only two siblings. And I guess even though I'm his main carer, he's still an important element of my life because, um, you know, his companionship, I've watched him learn and grow over the years. And being intellectually disabled and navigating life isn't the easiest thing a person to do. So I've really marvelled at some of the, the challenges he's taken on in terms of developing communication skills, uh, learning uh, numeracy and literacy. So other things that we take for granted, Fifi, that's um, a challenge for, the, for them, and also observing some of his teachers and how patient they are in terms of um, his learning and development. So it's opened up another world for me in terms of seeing um, the life of an intellectually disabled person. You know, I could connect to that. You know, I'm the younger sister in the story, but my older sister, she's got dyslexia. You know, all my life I had to help her read and I had to help her write things. I had to proofread her, uh, the stuff she would write or type up and, you know. Yes. I could and, relate. Yeah, and um, although it's improved in the last sort of 10 or so years, um, society doesn't always treat these people kindly. Um, so that's also been another challenge. I remember many years ago, Fifi, my brother used to catch a train to and from his day training centre, if you like, and one evening he never came home. And the reason being was he tried to get out of the train and uh, school children blocked the door. So he got trapped on the train and not... Um, the train kept going and not knowing his bearings because his usual routine had been thrown off kilter. He got stranded on the system and he didn't get home until about midnight that night when the police uh, found him on the train system. Okay. That's crazy. That's yeah, yeah, these are the sort of things these people have to deal with. They get uh, bullied or uh, laughed at, uh, have things made difficult for them. And as pretty challenging as it is. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So anyways, what is the worst job you've ever had? I guess my worst job was the time I spent uh, doing accounting work. I found it so repetitive. Each day was the same, each week was the same, each month was the same. Um, I found that I needed to escape from it. I used to remember going for walks at lunchtime in a nearby park. And uh, it wasn't so much to enjoy the scenery, but it was just an escape and getting some fresh air and finding my freedom. Um, when you're in search of freedom because of the job you do, you know you're in the wrong job. Oh, yeah. That's what, what I, how I currently relate to. Hmm. And it's a feedback yeah. that you, you're getting to say you need to develop a plan and at the right time, I, I don't say to people jump, 
because your life can unravel if you lose your income and um, the next thing doesn't work out. So you really need to plan it out. But um, I'm, a, I'm a big believer that you should be able to enjoy your work. Uh, a lot of people think it's something they need to endure and it has to be very painful. I don't believe that's the case. See, you know, currently, like today, I was thinking, you know, I'm so burnt out of my job. I like what I do sometimes, but then again, it gets so mundane and I know that it never gets done because someone else undoes my job because, you know, that's just what it is, you know, like a day or two, but then you turn around, it's sloppy again. So have you ever asked yourself, what would you truly love to do? You know, I realize I like creating and making things and I like to do a lot of things. I currently like to write poetry and write stuff in general. You know, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit uh, stuttery. You know, I'm trying to get my messages to be, I'm trying to talk the most direct I can. But anyways, you know, it's like, I want to be more creative and I want to do, you know. So how can you create a little side business, Beefy, uh, writing poetry? You know, matter of fact, I've been looking at how the hell am I going to publish my poetry without, you know, going broke if I made my own publishing industry. If I made, it's like, not many people like to read poetry to begin with. It's like, how am I going to get my poetry out there? So I've been thinking, you know, I could re pre-record my poetry and, you know, publish it out that way. Once I am ready to find the pro the way I feel comfortable releasing it, I do it. You don't need to and, leave your existing job, um, I say to people. You can have both going simultaneously and develop the poetry on the side. Even if it takes three to five years, but at least you've got momentum. Oh, yes. So that's what yeah. I've been looking at when I speak to people and saying, take five years if that's what it takes. Uh, know that that's where you're going. Uh, build up a bit of a financial reserve, so be disciplined with how you spend money in the meantime and um, see where that takes you. But you've identified, Peter, you've been able to identify something you love. A lot of people don't even even make that connection. You know, in a way, I want to free myself off of this schedule I'm on so I have more time to film with like people like John May, people that, you know, of our network, Team Sketch, because I've realized along with poetry, I like filming, I like editing videos, you know, and and it's kind of hard to find time to rest, especially when I work five nights straight. Yes, I know the real challenge, but you know what's really interesting? A lot of people don't realize this when you actually take the step to move into and start developing that next career path what i found time and time again with my clients and and with myself is that people appear out of nowhere <laughs> to help you along that journey i don't know if any of you can relate to that but the more you step out things happen synchronistically and people come in to support that journey, which gives That's you confidence true. to keep going. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That has, this has been 
and mate. This is actually a great episode. A time to let Tony shine away, show his motivation and coaching in the works. And it's been quite magical, really. It's been amazing. Yes, we've turned it, Jamie, into a, sorry, Peter, into a bit of a, uh, a little coaching session, but um, whatever is, let's, let's go with the flow, I think. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. So, what, Tony, sorry. sorry, go on. What advice would you give to your younger self? Um, I guess I would have done... I would have stepped into what I'm doing now earlier, say five years earlier. That's easy to do in hindsight. At the time, when I was considering leaving corporate life to become a coach, I observed that I kept putting it off and putting it off. And and we all know the reason we do that is fear. You know, we think we're going to fail. We think we're going to lose a lot of money. Uh, we think we're not going to be able to attract clients. So that's that small voice inside our head that stops us going forward. So what I would tell my younger self is don't listen to that small voice. Listen to that powerful voice and follow your dream. What did younger you want to do? Like Well, the younger self wanted to become a coach, but it wanted to do it earlier i allowed fears to delay that from happening so i'm i am doing what i truly wanted to do as a younger person i guess my um looking back i would have done it earlier and i would have told my younger self don't listen to that voice inside your head and we all and we all have that that says we can't do it who would listen to you who would take your advice Interesting. What was the biggest risk you've ever taken? The biggest risk I ever took, I remember back in the 1990s, I went on one of those adventure camps um, where we need to challenge ourselves, you know, to face um, our phobias. And one of my biggest fears was um, heights. And one one morning, I remember we were heading off into these uh, into the bushes, and as I got closer and closer to the obstacle course, I saw these high ropes in front of me, and I thought this is this is going to be interesting. <laughs> and I saw people go up, climb up on the ladder, and then eventually uh, hold onto these ropes so they. Put their feet on the ropes and they had to hold onto the rope above and had to climb from one side of one tree to the next tree across this rope bridge and eventually it came to my turn and i was so fearful my hands were perspiring but i walked up the ladder um, and then there was a sort of a a base floor that we had to step on before we actually got onto the rope and I could remember my feet and hands trembling. And then I got on, stepped up onto the ropes and I began shaking. Because I began shaking, the ropes both above and below me shaked really aggressively. And I had to stop uh, each time I took a step. And I had the people below me cheering me on. 
So what took most other people about two or three minutes to get across took me about 15. And I finally got off the rope and back onto firm ground and I was so relieved. So the people clapped me a little bit. So that was a really big risk. But what I re happened then was really even more inspiring. There were two ladies in their sort of mid to late 40s that were also on the adventure camp had decided they weren't going to take that walk up the high ropes because it was just too big of a challenge for them. And they came up to me and they said, because we saw what you went through and you conquered your fear and you took the risk, we've decided to get up there and climb. And so they did, and they actually did it far more easily than what I did. So that was the biggest risk I took. And it also revealed a really important life lesson. Sometimes our greatest satisfaction doesn't come from the success that we achieve for ourselves. It's what we help others in, to, how we inspire others to take a big step that they wouldn't otherwise. And so that became also a key part of my coaching today. So today the big step I help people take isn't off that high rope, it's leaving a job that they have where they've got a regular income to step into something else. Hmm. Hopefully that answers your question. I know I sort of went on a little bit then, but um, that was the biggest risk I remember yeah, that was, taking. Yeah, that, that was a great story. Oh, that was a great story. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome. So, so what was life for you growing up? Life for me growing up, as I mentioned earlier, I had parents who came out from Italy in the late 50s. And uh, my parents eventually managed to buy a large house with four bedrooms in it, Peter. And... Hmm. What happened was my parents lived in one room, me and my brother lived in the other, and they partitioned the other two bedrooms. And because they were challenged financially to repay the home loan, they decided to rent out the other two bedrooms to other Italian immigrants that were coming out to Australia in the 60s and 70s. And so they would come in and there'd be two or three of them living in each room, they shared the house with us. They paid uh, rent, which helped my parents um, pay the, the mortgage for the property. And most of them stayed for about a year or two uh, until they found other jobs or started buying their own homes. And there was one particular gentleman who stayed for about six or seven years who I formed a close bond to and he had a what's called a fisarmonica. Now, a fisarmonica is an Italian sort of little piano accordion, if you like. And each night he would play it, and occasionally he would let me sort of push on the buttons. And I developed a really close bond with this gentleman, whose name was Milano, and he worked in a tile factory which was located a few miles from our home because he didn't own a car. He would walk there each day. And I would walk to him carrying his brown bag up to the corner of the street uh, each morning. And then I would wait for him 
when he would return home of an evening because uh, he was almost the closest friend I had at that point. And one morning that brown bag turned into two large suitcases. And I was about eight or nine at the time and I thought, Sup, this is interesting. I don't, and I walked to him to the, to the top corner of the street thinking to myself, and I said to him, you're not coming back tonight, are you? And I was almost in tears and he said, no, yes, I will. And I said, okay, all right. So I, as I regularly did each day, turned up to this street corner waiting for him. And after half an hour, he didn't arrive. I sat there, sort of, sorry, stood there watching into the horizon waiting. And then eventually my mother came from behind me and said, look, he's not coming back. He decided to return home to Italy to his uh, wife and two children. So that was a really important um a moment in my childhood, if you like, where we need to learn that sometimes um, we have to let go of people, things that we've become close to. So albeit a sad moment, it was also a very important learning. And sometimes we have to let go of important people and important jobs and, and whatever. So... Hopefully that story sort of paints a little bit of a picture of my childhood where I really relish these people coming out from Italy and uh, learning about them and the courageous step they took from leaving their homes in Italy to come to Australia. But at the same time, there was a point where they left and you have to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stacey, any, any, question, any more questions you want to ask, Tony? Matter of fact, um, if you had to do some, like, if you lost your current job now, what would be your next move? Well, my current job now is working for myself. Um, if I decided to walk away from coaching, for example, Fifi, I would probably spend more time writing. What would you um, write? I would, would I'd write on my next book. So I've written one book and I'd start working on my second book. And it would be a book on people's career journeys and how their early childhood experiences um, became interests that they developed later in life that became their careers. Like one of my favourite singers, when he was a child, they, they didn't have entertainment in the home. Back in the day, there was no... Um, TV sets or video games. So the family sat round at the evenings and they would sing to one another and he developed the ability to sing and he eventually became a, a singer and uh, had an international hit. So they're interesting stories that I am captivated by, which I like sharing with other people to, to inspire them to say, hey, sometimes the interest that we had in our childhood that was sometimes lost or knocked out of us, we can reconnect with and make a hobby and then turn a hobby into a career that we truly love doing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Do you have... Sorry, I'm, I'm, my mind is blank right now. I don't... Do you have any advice for those who are lost in life right now? Like, it's like, if I didn't know what to do in my life, like, I like to do so many things and then discover, what if I'm afraid to 
get lost in that one ocean? What if I'm afraid that the ocean is too cold or, you know, too chaotic for me? What if, you know, it's too mundane for me? All right, so if someone was lost in life at the moment, what advice would I give them? Yeah. I would say that, and, and I run into these people quite frequently, and I would ask them, what do you truly most enjoy doing? And reconnect with that. That being one. And secondly, I'd ask them, what are some of the things in your life that you can be truly grateful for? Because sometimes we get so, so caught up with our stresses that we lose sight of the blessings that we that are around us each day. Um, you know, so that's the second. And three, sometimes if we're lost in life, it's, it becomes so much or all about ourselves. And I ask people, in that situation, how can you take the attention off yourself and be of service to others? So hopefully, Pete, that answers your question about three pointers. So find something that you enjoy, look at what you can yep. be grateful for and free. Take the focus off your own self and your own problems uh, and see how you can help someone else, take the load off someone else and see what can come out of that. That's a good answer to that. Yeah, that was, that was actually you know, very, really insightful. You know, if I were to choose something that helps others out, you know, that would probably be a better, what's the word I want to say? Like a better process of elimination of things to do in life. Yeah, I mean, if we sometimes we can be so immersed in ourselves and we think we're the only person in the world that's got problems. Look what's going on in Ukraine at the moment. Uh, can we be grateful that, you know, we're not living there at the moment and going through what those people are going through? Um, you know, we can be grateful for that. And, you know, um, as much as we wish that wasn't the case for them either, um, there's people in the world doing it far more difficult than we are. What is the worst advice you've ever heard in your life? The worst advice. Yeah. Given to me or just given to anyone? Worst advice you've ever heard in general. Like, what is the worst quote, worst piece of advice you've heard anyone give someone, or worst advice you've been given, or worst advice in general? Could be anything. I think the worst advice, um, and I'll connect it back to careers, Pete, because I play a lot in that space, is a parent saying to their child, you need to pursue this career path. You need to become a lawyer because that's the family tradition and not allowing that child to follow their own curiosity. And then what happens years later, the child resents the parent yeah. for pursuing yeah. them down the wrong path. Okay. I mean, the parent's role is to provide and support for their children, giving, giving them some guiding principles, but it's not controlling their life and their career and their decisions. At some point, a parent's got to realise the child now stands on its own two feet and makes its own decisions. And, yes, they'll make mistakes. 
and as we all do, but that's where the learning comes from. So don't, you know, tell your children you should follow this career, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. Recognise yeah. they've got a heart and they've got their own life journey they need to follow. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with that. Follow what your heart desires. And that is all we have for this episode. It was great having you here, Tony, uh, talking about your life and your inspiration and your coaching and having that long conversation with Faithy. That that was my favorite part of this episode. Thank you so much. I enjoyed the interaction, Faithy. Thank you. I am happy to meet you on the podcast. Sorry for the stutter. It's fun. It happens. I'm thankful to have met you on this podcast. I'm thankful to have been on this podcast today. Yeah. It was amazing. Thank you. I enjoyed it as well. Thanks very much to both of you for creating the opportunity for people to get their voice out in the world. I think what you do is really important in the world. You're welcome. And until next time, stay tuned for more.